and thank you for listening to Feminist Coffee Talks, an ongoing conversation about modern and historical feminism. My name is Maya, and I am joined by my co-host, Lily, a peer advocate at Abby's House. Today, we are excited to speak first with Anthony and second with Erin, two Western alums on their experience working at Abby's House, as well as talk about where their work has brought them. We want to start off, first of all, by thanking you so much for being here. Um, and we would like to ask for your pronouns. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Okay, thank you. When did you graduate? Summer of 2020, so it wasn't that long ago. I had yeah. to uh, go into the summer term, even though I didn't really want to. Yeah, that was an interesting year for sure for everybody. Uh, spring term was when I think it was the first term we were we had to do everything online when COVID first hit. And uh, so I kind of got used to the, you know, having all online classes and then I got into the summer, which was already like ready to go for online stuff. So because that's how they usually do it at Western. Yeah. Uh, when you were at Abby's house, what did you study? Or when you were a student at Wu, what did yeah. you study? I was studying criminal justice and a legal studies minor. I guess when I hear criminal justice, what is your ideal job? Like, what would be your dream situation? Um, yeah, so I, I would want to be more on the advocacy side of things at Western Oregon when people here think of criminal justice, they usually go to um, policing, uh, corrections, stuff like that. Just cause that's what I think people, uh, criminal justice students usually go into. That's like the typical route of what they've seen at Western. Um, I, I think a lot of people are, are cause I, I mean, in my year I saw, I met a lot of people who weren't just trying, you know, trying to be a cop or trying to get into corrections. They're trying to get into more of uh, even like counseling side of things and you know so kind of stepping outside of the law enforcement role and and getting more into um, like social services. Do you feel like um, your major in criminal justice and like your interest in advocacy played into you applying to become a peer advocate at Abby's house? Yeah for sure um, I, I mean I think when I was a student, along with a lot of other students, um, I was still trying to figure out a um, role I wanted to play, um, you know, for the community. And um, it definitely, having my education at Wu definitely helped me go to, towards the path of becoming a peer advocate. Um, I was just in, interested in the advocacy side of things. Um, I'm really interested in law and I do want to go to law school, even though I feel like it's, a little bit farther down the road for me, which is okay for me. But in law and, and becoming a, an attorney, you, you become an advocate of sorts. And so that really interested me in becoming like a peer advocate, obviously, because you're showing advocacy and, and promoting advocacy in, in many different ways. And so joining Abby's house became a, a big interest as a, interest of mine, just because I've seen Abby's house. You see, see a lot on campus. It's got a pretty big presence learning more about Abby's house I you know fell in love with the with the cause and the uh 
foundations and the ideals of, of what Abby's house is. That's really cool. Um, did you have like a favorite program that you did or that you were a part of during your time there? Yeah, um, I was on the action team for quite a few of the events and uh, promoting some stuff, the stuff that Abby's house was doing. Starting the feminist coffee talks uh, was probably one of my most favorite um, programs to to join because um, we had a lot of different minds and um, a lot of different people joining the team, kind of leaving the team. And I think that's just how it is when you're a student. Uh, a lot of stuff, you know, changes daily, but um, we were able to get a lot of different minds and and brains to think about this project. And I think uh, obviously seeing what it has grown into is, is really awesome to see. And some other stuff that we did as well, Denim Day was one of the more, uh, I guess, recent ones that we did or that I did um, during the spring term of 2020, I believe. And uh, learning about that day, uh, what it was about, shedding some history, um, and some light on a, on a terrible thing that happened. Um, Take Back the Night was another one that was really awesome. Even though I couldn't really join it because I always found myself having class at that time. Um, that's what, uh, one of the things I really liked about Abby's house was you could work on action teams. And even if you couldn't find the time to be a part of it, um, you know, the actual event, you could help promote it and help uh, refine it and, and make it better. Yeah, we're learning to do a lot of refining in new and different ways, especially being virtual most of the year. I talked a little bit earlier about you being the first man on that we have interviewed in Feminist Coffee Talks. So elephant in the room, are you a feminist? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I identify as a feminist. Okay, um, we'll get a little bit into your definition later, but why do you consider yourself a feminist? Um, I consider myself a feminist, um, obviously because of you know my history and what I was a part of. Um, Abby's, house Abby's house definitely has uh, helped me uh, find my identity in that. You know, I think feminism, especially when I was going to school, was a topic that was being learned about and, and talked about in a, a lot of different perspectives. And it was really easy um, to get the bad, you know, bad idea of feminism because um, some negative stereotypes was kind of being created around it. And honestly, um, the lack of male support and participation in feminism and talking about feminism and promoting the ideas of feminism um, is a motivating factor for me to, you know, identify and be proud of being a feminist because, um, you know, there shouldn't be a reason people want to, would want to not identify as a feminist or want to hide that, you know, especially if you're a male who identifies as a feminist. Yeah, there are a lot of stereotypes out there that I believe are meant to exclude people from feminism, which is not what feminism is. I mean, this is for everybody. It's equality between the sexes. That's my yeah. definition. Yeah. Um, we 
When we were on the Abby's House team together last year, our training opened up with a lot of those stereotypes. We started naming off like uh, women are man haters, et cetera, which we, mm -hmm. we all know is not true. But being a man who identifies as a feminist, how do you use that position to continue your advocacy? So, I mean, the same reason that um, it's important to um, talk about racism and it's why it's not okay for people, um, for if they, people have felt as though they haven't been affected by racism or they feel like as though it doesn't exist, um, it's not helpful, uh, you know, for, for the, you know, for the cause of fighting against racism for to people to act as though that, you know, it doesn't exist or it's not a good topic to talk about, or there's not problems within our communities that are because of racism. It's kind of the same thing of with feminism. We need to talk about the problems that have come from toxic masculinity and um, talk about how, you know, the power has been divided by in the in the United States and across the world um, where men have been in kind of just hold a power and privilege that obviously women do not have. And then it shows itself in many different ways um, in our society. And understanding, you know, the stereotypes, understanding that stereotypes about fem feminism, especially negative stereotypes about anything in general, stereotypes just come from a place of uh, intolerance or, you know, at least misunderstanding of what the, the cause of or what the ideas of feminism are and understanding how the stereotypes have like an effect on, on institutions and communities across the world. And, you know, I actually witnessed some of that stuff, some of the negative effects of that um, as a, a victim advocate in Marion County. Uh, with the district attorney's office, which is kind of, I guess, going into the, the next topic here. But yeah, just kind of, yeah, I, you can, I can see the negative effects of that, of uh, toxic masculinity and uh, intolerance um, towards feminism and um, fighting against inequalities. So now that you're out of college, you mentioned that you have been working with the district attorney's office, or you currently are. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit of more, a little bit more about that, and just how you feel like your advocacy plays into that? Yeah. Um, so after college, I uh, or after university at Western, I uh, was uh, trying to get my foot in the door with with my career, and so uh, I started as an intern because I didn't have any experience in in like criminal justice um, work, like jobs. I'm, I'm sure that's the case with a lot of people that you're studying something that maybe you don't have work experience in. And so tr just to try to get my foot in the door, I'm, I'm doing an internship uh, where it's volunteer. Um, a lot of students would do this internship. Um, so it's not paid. Um, and you'd usually get credits, but I'm not getting any credits, obviously, because I'm graduated. And so I'm just doing it for the experience, really. Um, and, and I obviously am really interested in the work and I actually love doing it. Um, and and uh, hopefully one day I can do work that is, is much like it or, you know, kind of in that same field. So yeah, it's an internship. I always call it my work, even though I get, people wouldn't call it work because I guess I don't get paid from it. 
but I do ha have really good experiences there. And uh, so yeah, I just applied for the Marion County District Attorney's Office Victims Assistance Division. It's a really long word, but basically downtown Salem is Victims Assistance Division um, where victims of crime, you know, across many different crimes um, from sexual assaults um, to theft to, you know, every, all, all, all different types of victimizations. Um, basically every, every victim in Marin County um, kind of meets our office and gets letters from our office. We contact them. The, what my work entails is notifying um, of court, court events um, and supplying or connecting victims with resources. It's a very, it's a very interesting job because you start out, you, you completely are um, working from what the victim needs. And that looks very different, you know, in every case, every case is unique. Um, you can have one idea about a victim from reading a report and say, okay, I'm gonna walk in with counseling services or uh, connections to financial resources or whatever. And then they can just completely do a 180 and just, you know, just they need some completely different um, help um, in a way that you didn't think they would, they would need it. Um, and so I've, I've learned a lot in the, the same ideals and kind of training that I received in Abby's house of uh, validating a victim's experience, respecting their story, respecting their truth. Um, and that comes with respecting who they are as a person, what their identity is, um, how they identify themselves. Um, so that, you know, respect and tolerance that I learned at Abby's house has really helped me in this field because you get people of all different um, shapes, sizes, ideologies, beliefs. Um, and sometimes you don't agree with what people say or you don't agree with how people are going about things, but you know, in, in your role as an advocate, you're really there to help them through their journey and help them feel as, you know, feel the best that they can feel making their own decisions. Now, I was just gonna say, that's pretty amazing how much you've, you've learned and taken from Abby's house and been able to apply um, to your work in the field of criminal justice. It'd be right, great yeah. if we had more, um, CJ majors at Abby's house so and and more men especially too so yeah how how what what's, what's the team look like today is there any any boy men on the team today no nope. all all us women but it's good but of course it would be you know great to see a little bit more diversity or at least see see men seeing Abby's house as a place that they can come and not only, you know, find resources, but work as well. So yeah. we're, we're working towards that. Right. Mm -hmm. And just as you were talking about your job, I remembered, I think the first time a student came to me, you were with me and it was pretty controversial and that was just something, it was a good experience for me to have. And I just wanted to say, thank you. <laughs> right right yeah that's I think I mean that's a that experience that we were talking about um is like a perfect example of of what like what the being a victim advocate would be and like having that encounter um and kind of you know just kind of having your 
your viewpoints challenged and you know just having a almost having a debate with somebody um where you you know you you're t it's just two people kind of um who are kind of unshakable in their beliefs um and it's just oh it's a little bit of a misunderstanding as well but yeah that that experience is something that i remember as well too it's helped me grow um and it you know just kind of serves as of what kind of being an advocate is is all about um you know it's at the end of the day we're here to help people and we don't we don't have to like or you know agree with the, the other person but in our role as an advocate um we're there to help them with their journey and as long as we could do that, as long as we can do that, I think uh, we're doing our jobs right. And the most important thing is that advocacy is not for you. Like you said, I'm just re-saying your words. It is for the person you're working with. Um, and that's right. what advocacy is. It's serving your community. Right. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that person came to us and was, you know, felt like they were victimized and they they were looking for support and um something i learned at abby's house um of venting and validation of where you know you let a victim or survivor vent or t just tell their story you know just don't interrupt them listen to their story um and validate it you know so, you know honor it as the truth that they experience um it, it goes a long way and it allows for more conversation and it, it's just a good thing to practice because you don't necessarily have to do a lot of talking in that. You can just listen, 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 um, and validate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of good conversation. I'm not sure about you, but I feel as though when I graduate, um, hopefully at the end of next year, I will be coming out of Western a completely different person than what I came in as. First of all, what is your definition of feminism and has that changed um, pre versus post-graduation? Yeah, so um, my definition of feminism when I first joined Abby's house was that um, it's at the core of it is um, fighting against inequalities um, it's fighting for equality and equal treatment um, and many other social injustices that, you know, encompass the entirety of, of society. It's not, it's not just for women. It's for, you know, the whole entire world. It's for everybody. And that hasn't changed. I thought about this question a lot because I'm like, huh, has it changed? Obviously, because we, we went through an administration with Trump that kind of brought on a lot of ideas that, of, of, you know, I just think are intolerance. And it was, it was kind of okay for, for people to have very, um, have very, you know, in, in, uh, what is the word? Inconsiderate inconsiderate, not, you know, just not ideas that aren't inclusive, that don't accept diversity, that are very close-minded. Um, 
and it's under the guise of like free speech. And so during that time, you know, it's, it's easy for your opinion to sway um, about feminism. And, and it was easy for people to get the wrong idea of feminism because, you know, in my opinion, the you know, just Trump administration just allowed a lot of intolerance to, to run rampant. And even in our time um, or my time at Western, we saw uh, people drawing swastikas. Um, there was a very controversial person that was, you know, was had ties to the Proud Boys or at, or at least there was a lot good evidence there that he they had ties to Proud Boys and they were allowed to space on our campus. And that I saw how that really scared people and actually really scared me too. And it made it feel like to where, you know, the matter, no matter what the viewpoint was of that person, that the fact of the matter is, is that people felt unsafe there. And I think that, you know, that kind of thinking was just brought, brought from the Trump administration of, and I mean, I'm making this pretty political, but anyways, to, to just kind of tie this back to have I, has my opinion on feminism changed? Um, it has and it's it's kind of stayed the same through through all of it and um i think the need for feminism and feminists to get support and rise up and uh you know make some real changes is, is really needed even more today because of the effects of of you know the last administration who would you say is responsible for your feminist education? Or do you feel like those beliefs are something that you really like cultivated on your own? I mean, that's an interesting question Question for sure. Um, where where I, I started to learn about feminism um, and to learn about uh, discrimination and just the inequalities of life in, in America and the United States uh, where I learned about that stuff in general was going to to college, and so I started at, started out at Chemeketa, um, and I, I think at universities and colleges you just get a a bigger perspective of the world and of different opinions, um, and you learn about a lot of the social issues, obviously that are around the world in the United States, and uh, so I was beginning to learn about um, inequalities. Um, in the, in that area and studying a lot of social uh, social services and uh, humanities classes you learn a lot about that stuff and then going into western oregon um, being a criminal justice major you you uh, learn a lot about inequalities and discrimination racism um, and and the effects of or the different treatment that women have as well um, just all across many different institutions. Um, it was very interesting learning about um, women in uh, prison and how they're treated and the inequalities that they see. And then um, from going from that to joining Abby's house, obviously it was a, a big eye opener. And uh, with my first, it is part of what draw me, drew me to, uh, Abby's house is kind of the education that was there that was available to me and was uh, available to the entire campus. So obviously learning from, from Iceland, learning everything from um, Abby's house uh, provided a lot of 
knowledge in the in that area. So I guess uh, to sum it up, I can I can thank it to the teachers I had in Jamaica at Western and the my experience at, at Abby's house. Abby's house, I think, is the biggest influence on why I identify as a feminist. Um, and going back to the education I had, you you also get a lot of, or at least I also got a lot of um, ideas that I didn't agree with or opinions that I didn't feel like they represented what equality means or the pursuit of equality. Um, and, you know, having that experience and seeing that you know, racism and discrimination is out there and it has effects on people's minds that they don't even know about, uh, you know, kind of talking about implicit biases and and using all those vocab words that everyone is starting to understand now. I guess I can, we can, we can also chalk it up to the time we're living in as well. Of We're just, we're, I think we're barely scratching the surface of uh, how we can change all the inequalities and social injustices that we've seen. Um, you know, uh, obviously over the pandemic, we, uh, there was the Black Lives Matter protests and we saw how that was just, you know, completely, some people got the completely wrong idea of it. And I think that in itself really shows that um, the message of uh, fighting against racism racism and fighting against inequalities is is so needed still because you know we just have clear uh, I guess that just showed us that um, there there really is their divide there that people think that racism isn't isn't there and uh, inequalities that women face aren't there. And there's work to do um, in educating people, educating the world, and and making a change. You um, talked a lot about Abby's house's role in that education um, and in that education process, especially when it comes to race and gender and everything in between. We also kind of talked about circumstances happening in 2020, 2021, such as Black Lives Matter. Now that Abby's house within this term is in the transition of becoming physically more prominent, like hopefully we'll be able to be in the office soon. What are your hopes for the organization moving forward? I mean, I, I love to see that, um the team, the Abby's House team is still innovating uh, with ideas and creating, I think this is a great idea, it's a podcast. It's something that could have happened pre-pandemic, um, but you know, just people, I guess, weren't focusing on it or just didn't have the idea. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how we take some of the ideas and practices that we've grown accustomed to over the pandemic um, and how that will have an effect on when uh, things open back up and when school is open again and people are in classrooms and uh, things are kind of normal again. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if things ever do get back to the way that things were. Um, 
I think it, it's, it's, it would be good for, for, it's good for people to embrace change and to uh, learn new techniques and uh, bring them back to what we think of as everyday life. So I would hope that going back to normal doesn't mean that we forget everything that we learned over the pandemic. Um, obviously I would like to see Abby's house grow. I would like to see more men participate and join Abby's house, join the fight, promote feminism. It's okay to be a feminist as a male. I think, I think most people would identify as a feminist, but some people might not want to, or don't think that they are because how the idea of, of what a feminist is has been constru construed and kind of twisted. And, you know, at the end of the day, feminism is fighting for equality and equal treatment. And so that's a, that's a fight that everyone can join. Um, so I would like to see Abby's house grow more, more uh, events, uh, just more presence on the, on the campus. Thank you so much for being here and being willing to answer our questions and being our first male perspective on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I, I was, it was really awesome. You guys reaching out to me, y'all reaching back out to me to, uh, to speak on it, on this, these topics. I think, like you said, it, it, I mean, we need more diverse perspectives. You know, it's kind of scary. I know it's kind of scary being the only, the only anything in a room, being the only brown person, being the only male, being the only person, you know, whatever. But um, it, it's important to, to, I think, go for it, um, fight your fears, and um, uh, you know, just fight for a cause that you th that you think is the world needs. Exactly. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, your voice will help encourage diversity within the peer advocates and, and Abby's house. So hopefully we can, we can reach those people who, like you said, you know, might be interested, but like you said, might be scared to be the only something in the room. Right. Thank you so much, Anthony, for talking to us. And next up, we have another peer advocate, Aaron. So to start us off, we would like to ask you, what are your pronouns? Uh, I use she, her pronouns. Okay, thank you. Um, second question, when did you graduate from Woo? I graduated last June, so 2020, big year. Awesome. And during your time here, what did you study? I was a social science major with a sociology concentration and a minor in psychology. <laughs> okay. Um, that's a lot. What, if you could pick and choose, what would be your dream job? Oh, what a question. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's so hard because I really, it's definitely one of those things now that it's like, oh, I spent all this time in school just dreaming of this job that I'm going to have after I graduate. And then I got the job that I wanted. And now it's like all my brain is going to like, what's the next job? What's the, the next step? What do I do? And it's like, why don't I just take a second mm -hmm. and enjoy what I'm doing? Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a dream job. I think I want to go into like, um, like sexual violence prevention at some point, um, like primary prevention, 
because right now I'm kind of more in the response like advocacy section which is wonderful um but I think I will have a limit on my time spent working direct service so yeah, yeah. can it can that be pretty emotionally exhausting I know the burnout in that field can be pretty high yeah, I mean, as you both know, you're basically you're both doing the same thing I do. I just do it for 40 hours a week. Um, because I literally have the same job. It's just I instead of a team, it's just one person. Um <laughs> and so it can be pretty exhausting um working with it, like emotionally draining working with folks, but it's also very rewarding. And I love to do the educational aspect of working with like students and talking to them about it so yeah well it's good that at least there's always you know always the upside to to that so even on days when you're super tired you know that you're you're making a difference um so going to your time as a peer advocate at Abby's house what led you to initially wanting to become one of the peer advocates so I um was kind of doing internships before I was in peer advocate. So I did an internship with Sable House, um, the community org up there, um, along with the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force. And that's located in Salem. And that way, I, through the task force, I was introduced to Iceland, the former director. And so it kind of just like easily flowed into like, oh, now they're opening up positions for peer advocates. Why don't I apply? Um, so it just was kind of like a perfect fit of going from internship to like campus jobs. Cool. That's definitely great that you already have like had those connections established and then you were just able to, to flow into Abby's house. Um, do you have a favorite program that you produced during your time at Abby's house? And were you there for multiple years as a peer no, I'm, I was just there one year. I was a transfer okay. student, so I was just at Wu for two years, and I didn't. I was doing internships up the first year. But my favorite program, I really love Take Back the Night. That was like our first thing, and it was just like such a big event to be like thrown into. Um, but it was awesome. And then I really loved the feminist coffee chats because I worked with Maya on this last year and Anthony and. Um, some other advocates and it was I just thought it was so fun talking to everybody and we talked a little bit about with Anthony about this but it was so cool to have so many different people from different walks of life in one room listening to someone on a discussion about feminism yes. um, it's just a really unique, um, only in college, I feel like, kind of experience. Yeah, it's just so awesome. And now being like in the virtual campus world, it's like, I, I love that we're bringing like faculty members in and being like, tell us all of these things. Because I feel like sometimes there's such a disconnect from like students and faculty, but also faculty and staff. And it's just weird, but I really yeah. loved it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. especially since there's so much that has happened in just this almost a year now I think corona has been going on um it's really been helpful to discuss it with professionals and um current events and their point of view being a feminist 
Yeah. So now that it has been a couple months since you graduated, what have you been up to? Yeah. So I moved to Roseburg of all places. Okay. Um, I got a job down here working for like the community nonprofit um, that um, does advocacy for domestic violence and like sexual assault survivors. So basically Douglas County's version of Sable House. Um, but I'm a co-located advocate. So I work specifically with the students and staff at Umpqua Community College. So it's like this weird combo of like Abby's house and Sable house. Um, and um, I really love it. I haven't been able to spend as much time on campus as I would if things were normal. But I've still been able to do a lot of outreach and like education with the students, um, along with like meeting with clients in our office and stuff. So it's been, um, it's been cool. It's been crazy, but it's been awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. It also sounds like you had advocacy experience yeah. coming into Abby's house, um, and now you're continuing that advocacy very Abby's house-esque. Um, so I guess, is there anything unique that you have learned from or benefited from that has carried with you into your new position? So much. <laughs> I mean, I think that Abby's like being a peer advocate, even if you didn't want to go into advocacy would still be very beneficial and you would learn a lot. But like, especially since I'm literally doing like the same job, um, the ideas of um, like outreach, I've definitely stolen some ideas that we've done last year um, into what I'm doing with UCC students. And I mean, why make the wheel when it's already made? Um, but um, so I learned a lot there and just kind of outreach and education and um, also just kind of, it's always nice to have like training in how to work with people that are experiencing like something so traumatic. Um, I feel like with Abby's house, a lot of the focus was on outreach, which I love that part. Um, but now it's a, my role now is a lot more I'm spent working with clients and that has been really great. Um, but it's also just awesome to have the combo and I don't know. I learned a lot from Abby's house and also just the way campuses work because, and that between that and the transfer student internship thing that I did with Kristen, it, I mean, campus life is so confusing. <laughs> and so I feel like if I didn't have those on-campus jobs and then started working on a campus, it just would have been like that much more confusing. Yeah, I definitely because I'm in that same position as the transfer pathway support intern, I definitely feel like there's surprisingly some like an amount of overlap between the stuff at Abby's house and stuff I do in this other internship. So it's nice to have like a much better understanding of like the inner workings of a college system. So transitioning a little bit into a more serious topic. Um, so being a past advocate and now somebody who does advocacy more professionally, um, do you believe that there are some feminist stereotypes that are harmful? Like stereotypes of feminists? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. I feel like it is shocking to me how many times I'll be like, 
yeah, feminism is great. And like, people are like, oh, I'm not a feminist. I'm a humanist or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> you just don't like that word, which I mean, I, I get the, the ick, like people feel icky about the word sometimes, but I think it's just the, the stereotype of it being like man-hating lesbians or something who don't conform to any gender roles and it's like yes we we typically do you can't really go outside of all those gender roles I'm actually reading a book called Bad Feminist right now by um Roxanne Gay that's her name (laughs) and um it's really cool because she talks about how like um she's a college professor and she's a black woman and her experience in that and also like how she falls into these like being feminine and how that like shouldn't make her a good feminist because she's you know let her favorite color is pink and she likes wearing dresses or whatever um and it's like but she still believes in equality and all these things so like that's what matters and like feminism allows us to be able to like pink and we shouldn't be judged for that or you know anything so it's very confusing all of it but yeah do you feel like the stereotypes have impacted you at all either like in your work at Abby's house or at Sable's house or or in your position now I'm in I live in a very conservative area now and so I think um it can become very quickly like oh that's like the liberal sitting over there that's all about feminism and blah 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 and it seems very negative and it's like I just want us to be on the same playing field that's all I want like I'm not asking for much um and so I think it can be kind of a like put people arm's length with you um yeah I don't know and it's it is different I think being in like a community base where we're a little bit more careful on like we wouldn't just outright say like we have a feminist model like we do at Abby's house uh, even though very much we do <laughs> but it's just like we're not necessarily shouting that from the rooftops because we want people of all genders to be able to access our services and not have that be like putting pushing people away if that makes sense yeah on that same kind of wavelength since you started your college experience and since graduating, have you noticed a, a change or a tweak to your definition of feminism? What is that definition? Hmm. I feel like my definition of feminism is just the, like, the desire for equity among all people, um, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, sex, color, all of the above um and things like that I feel like I haven't really had um necessarily a shift in like my definition of feminism since I graduated but I think it's I don't know I've had more time to like mull on it um at like since I've graduated without having the like structure of like think of it in the context of like political science or whatever um it's been, and it's, I've had the time to be able to like read like the book, Bad Feminist. And um, my work has like a book club where we're able to sit and like, think about how um, we could better serve people of color and like how this book can help us and like 
it's very like social justice oriented. Um, so I feel like it's been really nice to have that just time to think about it and not have it be like conforming to whatever the professor wants us to be doing. Mm -hmm. I guess I want to take this time to touch on a comment of um, advocating more to people of color. This isn't scripted. I'm not sure if you know, but a student at Western has created an Instagram account that is geared toward um, voicing other students of color's experiences at WU. And there's a lot that is being brought to light. And I am wondering how can Abby's House use this opportunity to better advocate for and with our students? Hmm. I've seen that um, Instagram uh, account and that's really, I'm really happy to see that. If, if you guys have access to like basically what's coming out from that account um, and those responses, I would suggest listening to them and kind of doing, um, trying to look at the ways that maybe Abby's house doesn't feel welcoming to people of color um, without trying to like just walk up to, to people of color and ask them. Um, <laughs> and it's it's really hard because there's no there's no script or manual to like figure this out because we're having those same conversations um, in one of those groups on my current campus now. And it's just like, well, what do we do? We want to do something. Um, I, it's just, if they're, I think if students and staff um, are taking the time to like come out and talk about it, then just being there to listen. And maybe, I don't know, if there's a practice or something that comes up with Abby's house that it needs to be changed. Like, even though I think sometimes as students, it can feel like, well, what can we do to change it? Like you guys have so much power so using your voices to like amplify that to cha make change in whether it's Abby's house or another department you know um can say a lot <laughs> yeah and I agree with you I think listening to our students is the first step and we should be um advocating for that account and I think awareness is also the first step and then we can begin to focus on this what kind of programs can come out of this how can we better be with the students who quite frankly we're not reaching right now this is an incredibly overdue conversation for western and i'm really i'm really grateful that we have the opportunity um, to spread awareness through this organization yeah, I think um, just like as a first step, like just promoting that account says a lot because it's showing people that you you guys care about it. Um, also, just I feel like maybe trying to create partnerships with folks on campus who are already working with like the Multicultural Center. Like I know we kind of sort of had a relationship with them if we had advocates working there as well, but it didn't really feel like a open source of communication. So um, 
which it could totally have changed. I don't know. I'm not there anymore. But, um, and just kind of like identifying those groups and other departments on campus that like, hey, you're already doing this work. How can we assist and help you in this? Um, and like, how can we bring that, your work to Abby's house? Yeah. Thank you for being willing to answer that unscripted question and your improv skills. Oh, I certainly try. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on to a different topic. Is there or was there a figure in your life who helped um, shape you into the feminist that you are and your definition? Yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie. I like Googled like feminist icons after getting these <laughs> questions. Um, just cause I've never been that person to be like, oh, this is my hero or what have you. Um, but in reality, I feel like, um, like my mom and my friends um, were kind of like the starting point. And honestly, in my mom's friends, um, my mom was, uh, she's close friends with like a sex crimes lawyer who used to work in, in New York. And now she was prosecutor from my hometown in Newport. And like, it was really awesome to get her like information as a teenager about how, um, well, essentially how messed up the world is and like how important feminism is and trying to make a change. Um, and so that, yes, um, uh, really, I think kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And then like the more I got into it, the more I was like, oh my God, everything is wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say, and I don't know, just the, I never had that from like my group of people growing up, I never had that like bad taste of feminism where it was like, oh, that's a bad word. It was always like, no, my best friend's a feminist and like we're writing stuff in the newspaper at my high school about how you should be a feminist and what's wrong with our school um, kind of thing. So it's always been a positive thing in my life and I've had a good feminism support group. <laughs> I had a conversation recently with someone who also feels kind of the same way of when they point out things that they have seen, like microaggressions, maybe in a movie or just a subtle comment someone said, um, and that being kind of annoying or you're being a downer. And I think that's another harmful stereotype of feminism. Can you speak to that at all? Yes, I feel like, um sometimes it's like we we don't want to see it like it's uncomfortable to talk about uncomfortable to think about and so it's just so much easier to be like everything's fine you know women can vote so we're good like kind of thing um but it's also I mean it's I I can see why people like just don't want to think about it but like we have to think about it and also that's exhausting too. Um, like sometimes I'll be watching a movie and I'm like, wow, this is like so problematic. And I'm like, just turn off your brain and enjoy this stupid movie and it's gonna be fine. But like, it can be, I mean, for both sides, like reverbalizing that and like constantly thinking about like, oh, you know, this cool superhero just said something racist. It's like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> but now I can't enjoy this movie. And it's like a weird, balance of like being selfish and like taking care of yourself and trying to turn your brain off every once in a while and not that taking care of yourself is selfish but like and then also acknowledging that there's problematic things in the world and like 
that's part of it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, resonate with this idea that like when you're an advocate, you're an advocate always, right? So it is definitely interesting to try to find um, that balance. And since I think you already answered the question about your feminist icon, right? You don't really have one more people close to you, right? Yeah, I would say people close to me. If you wanted to um, look into her, um, her name is Alex Alice Vax, and she's an author, and she's the one that was the sex crimes prosecutor in New York. She lives in Newport now and, like, does prosecution there, um, but she's awesome. So I feel like she's, she's, like, the closest thing to an icon that I have. Yeah, well, that's really cool. People, people close to you can be icons, too. Anyone can. Um, yeah. So going to the next question, um, now that, you know, Oregon facilities are starting to open and we're starting to think about Abby's house becoming, you know, a little bit more in person, if not maybe fully in person in the fall, what are your wishes for Abby's house? And what are some things that you would like to maybe see change or improve as we, you know, finally transition back into some face-to-face stuff? Yeah. Um, I hope that, um, well, I'm going to assume that students have feelings about going back face-to-face and whether or not you like that. I think that, um, kind of mimicking what you want the college to be doing in Abby's house to the extent that you can. Um, cause like if your idea is that Abby's house shouldn't be open because we're in the middle of pandemic, um, you know voicing those concerns and taking those precautions and having those signs and masks and all that stuff. Um, but so I guess my first wish is for safety for all of the Um, but I, I mean, I hope that you, you guys just keep focusing on outreach and education. And, um, I hope that I know we, um, at one point in time had a professional staff member that was doing prevention, I think it would be really cool if like um, maybe students could work on some prevention stuff, um, which I know is, I mean, even for me, I'm like, what is prevention? How do we do this? Um, But I, you know, stuff like that, I think is really important and it's doing awesome in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting to find new formats for programming such as being a podcast versus in person. I really miss the energy, that being said, in the room. Every feminist coffee talk that I went to in person, we just needed more chairs. We kept needing more chairs. Um, And that's what we want. We want to be accessible for our students. We want students to be in our space a stereotype with Abby's house, I think, is that we are um, a place for women, and we are, and we are also a place for all people. Yeah, I think um, kind of to bring it back to partnerships, um, that that like being very strategic about your partnerships on campus with other departments, because like, I think it's really easy for people to be, like, in their siloed little sections on campus because that's just how campuses are built. Mm-hmm. Um, so being, like, let's reach out to the president of Stonewall or 
whatever their title is um and you know safe zone and let's go talk to the multicultural center and the veteran center and like having maybe more of like a structured partnership with folks not yeah. to say that there ever was a bad relationship between those departments but just being like let's put an event together together um so we can get both of our our groups of people that are already coming to our events we want to cross over and then I don't know I feel like it just makes it feel more safe for folks like if they're already going to the multicultural center to like feel safe going to Abby's house or vice versa you know thank you for being a part of this conversation and answering our questions about your time at Abby's house and also what you're doing now it sounds incredibly interesting of course thank you for having me I'm so glad to see you again and meet you Lily. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yes, it's great to meet you too. Yeah. Peer advocates at Abby's House want to remind you that we are a resource center on campus for you. We have moved online, so you may email us abbyshouse at woo.edu or leave a voicemail. Our phone number is 503 eight three eight eight two one nine